Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Hello, welcome everybody to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. My name is Ben Smith. Allow me to introduce my co-hosts, the Frosty the Snowman and Buddy the Elf to my Clark Griswold, Austin Miner and Curtis Wister. How are you guys doing today? I love it. I love it. I need to know which one I am though, because I just ran about 3,000 Christmas lights on my house this weekend. So I'm hoping I'm Clark. <laughs> well, I, I had you as Buddy the Elf All since right. you're an ex-pitcher. So you could All be right. throwing uh, snowballs Snowball at a high fight. rate of speed. I yeah, like oh, there I you like go. It. Yeah. Yeah, that was, the, that was the thought. We're keep rolling here on our show. We're episode 94 today. And, yeah. and I know we, we've ventured into lots of topics, right? And there's, there's topics that all of us have to deal with at one time or another. And obviously throughout our lives, we spend countless hours planning for these monumental life goals, right? And mm-hmm. as financial planners, those are things we really get excited about is, is watching people get kind of that culmination of, of things that they always wanted to see happen and, and uh, celebrate. So whether it's graduating from college, College, getting married, having children, buying a house, retiring. There are certain milestones we're all going to aspire towards. Sure. We've taken that time planning and saving money to carefully map out how we want our lives to play out. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there can be some setbacks along the way. But most of us are okay making small compromises here or there. You know, we can justify minor concessions, right? We know, all right, well, that life happens and we remind yeah. ourselves the importance of being realistic. But there are certain things that we really look forward to, certain people that keep us motivated through the day-to-day grind. So the question is, what happens when we, the things we strive for for years don't happen at all? Yeah. How do we keep going when our best friends are no longer there? As we go through life, we're exposed to more and more situations where we have long-standing expectations of how things should play out and have to cope with disappointment or even heartache when reality falls substantially short of these expectations. So this emotional roller coaster can be especially amplified when it comes to retirement. We've spent decades planning our retirement and accumulating expectations. We call it the, the binge of vocation to binge on vacation. Mm-hmm. But what happens when we say, hey, we're going to binge on this vacation, and then life throws a curveball and things go off the rails? Yeah. Maybe we don't have the money to carry our plans, like the stock market does, sure. does its thing, and we're all ready to go and retire, and we have 30% less than what we thought. Maybe we can't live where we want. Maybe our health or the health of our loved ones declines. How do we process these very negative changes to our carefully made plans? On today's episode, we're going to talk about what to do when things really don't go as planned. That's right, Ben. And, you know, just to stick with the theme of all of our shows, we like to bring on a guest who who really can can kind of provide uh, in-depth insight into the things we want to talk about. And I think we have a stellar guest today. Um, our guest is a self-made entrepreneur who has dedicated his life to helping others by sharing his own story of dedication, <laughs> resiliency, and faithfulness. Um, our guest is the founder and CEO of the Adversity Academy which is a coaching and consulting firm that helps individuals and businesses turn their challenges into opportunities. Um, our guest, as a U.S. Armed Forces veteran, 
Um, he was a recipient of a number of awards during his career, including several Navy Achievement Medals with two Bronze Stars, the Combat Action Ribbon, and the Distinguished Purple Heart. Holding an MBA as well, uh, he's also the 2022 recipient of the Distinguished Alumni Award from Indiana Wesleyan University. As an entrepreneur, he has graced several magazines such as Forbes, Fox, The New York Times, and Entrepreneur Shark. He also currently hosts his own podcast, The Overcoming Adversity Podcast, which has been and has been featured as a TEDx speaker. So I'm going to pause right there and tell everyone to pause our podcast right now and go to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to The Overcoming Adversity Podcast and give it a listen. Despite the many challenges our guest has faced, he has successfully overcome each one and has finally been able to share his exact steps for doing so in his book, which is titled Overcoming Adversity, Getting Your Life Back on Track. So again, we're going to pause one more time and go find that book. We'll have links posted in our show notes for sure to get the podcast and the book. So especially when it's coming to um, there's a holiday there, season. It is coming holiday up, season. Right? That's right. <laughs> you know, that's, right. They're, they're, that's a really good thing to gift, especially in Maine winters and New England winters that's when right. it's cold and you want to snuggle up to a fireplace and read. Exactly. Really good thing to think about. We got you covered. So we'll have the again, we'll have the links there in our show notes to to get all of our guests uh, resources here. But I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to take the time now to welcome our guests. So thank you so much, Michael Allison, for coming on the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Well, Michael, first thing I want to say is uh, we're we're recording in November and we just had Veterans Day. And I want to I want to yeah. thank you for your service. Absolutely. You know, yeah. that, that I think that's that's something that I know people say it, but I don't think we say it enough. And it's a, it's such a big deal. And we appreciate um, your service to the country because it's, um, it's huge. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Guys for saying it. I appreciate it, man. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So Michael, uh, obviously we're going to, we're going to talk about lots of things, right. In terms of adversity and what to do when things really don't go as planned, but we want to get into you, right. Cause I think some of this is your, what you're going to teach us today is a little of here's my life and things that we've gone through and, what steps you've taken and how we can impart those lessons to our audience and our clients. So obviously, as we heard in the intro, you help people overcome adversity. Can you help us paint the picture for our listeners and give us a brief overview of some of the adversity you have faced? Wow, sure. Um, it, it's been a lot, but you know, my story is uh, quite unique and pretty interesting. And it started at, at a young age. I uh, was born in Jamaica and at an early age, we experienced a flood and I did not know how to swim or anything like that. And when waking up in your, in your bedroom and you've seen water next to the side of your bed and you've seen toys floating, um, that is a surprising eye-opening feeling, I would say, at early in the morning for a kid. <clears throat> With that being said, uh, we woke up to a flood and my family had to get the ladder for us to go on top of our roof to sit on top of the roof until this water subsided. Um, that left us temporarily homeless. Two years later, we went through Hurricane Gilbert, another Category 5 hurricane, and this uh, devastated our family, and we lost everything. My family said, we keep on rebuilding every two years, and we cannot deal with this. We worked so hard. We've bought all of these, I guess, so to speak, um, things that to make our home a home, and we keep losing it every single year. With that being said, I decided that it was time for a transition. Unfortunately, when we did this transition, the way that I would say immigrants, some immigrants, when they come to America, they go by way of different routes. So for my family, it started where initially my grandparents came from England 
and then came from Cuba and they got to Jamaica. And then my mom and dad said, from this event, we're going to go to New York. So they went to New York and we stayed in Jamaica for a little bit. And then me and my siblings went to Miami, Florida to stay with my aunt. Mm. So for that time period, while they're in New York, I'm in Florida. The first night that I got there, I went through a traumatic experience that um, I experienced through a family member with um, being touched inappropriately. Furthermore, uh, my family did reconnect with me. And uh, once we got together, we started living in um, Overtown, Florida. And we moved quite a few times because it was the projects. It was the ghetto. So you name some of the worst things a child could see at eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old. I was seeing it in um, in those uh, parts of towns. As uh, I got a little bit older, around 11 years old, uh, the Boy Scouts became a thing where I, I was interested in joining the Boy Scouts. I asked my mom if I could join the Boy Scouts. I did join the Boy Scouts and during all of the... Uh, things that Boy Scouts do leading up to my final trip with the Boy Scouts. There's a trip to, there was a trip to go to Washington, DC. I asked my parents, could I go? They said, yes, I could. Uh, So we went there toward the monuments and thought the trip was going okay. But once we got to the last day, um, it was uh, 12 boys and we split up in rooms. So some of us slept on floors and sleeping bags, that sort of thing as normal camping things that we did. The last night that I was there and I was getting out of the shower, I got out and there was five other boys on the wall and they were naked and I was told to get on the wall too as well. And I experienced something that some kids should not ever experience in their life. Yeah. Once I came back home, my mom saw my body was uh, bruised and um, injured. So I was removed out of the Boy Scouts and never returned after that. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, I, uh, I uh, played high school football. I was pretty good, uh, but... My junior year, my senior year, I experienced uh, two injuries, uh, ACL, MCL injuries. Had opportunity to go to quite a few different colleges. Wisconsin was the main one that was on the list for me. But through those injuries, um, those were taken away. And I think growing up in our environment or in our community, my family really spoke a lot about education or just making sure that you, you could find a job or find a way to make money or something like that. But I would say that I don't think that my parents worked two jobs as I was growing up, always working two jobs. So in regards to seeing a mom and dad every single day for a living and things like that, I did not get that experience. So when it came to understanding all of the dynamics of what it takes to actually go to college, I don't think I was equipped with that because of some of those things, because of understanding what they were trying to do for us. So not to give my family that financial burden of paying for me to go to college or something like that, I... uh Looked around at some other opportunities. At that particular time, I was working at uh, Papa John's Pizza when Papa John's just came out. <laughs> I, I was offered, offered opportunity to be a store manager, but that's not something that I was really interested in doing at uh, 17 years old. So I uh, chose to join the United States Marine Corps. I, I looked at all of the other branches. They just did not align with um, my personality and things I wanted to do in life. And uh, the Marine Corps was the option that I chose. Um, went through boot camp. Uh, one of the toughest, hardest things that I've ever done in my life, but I did graduate boot camp. <laughs> And actually, to this day, I graduated the day before Thanksgiving, which will be next week. So it was ah, kind of that's awesome. Oh, wow. I think about that now. Hmm. So graduated boot camp, went to Marine combat training. The training was delayed because it was coming up on uh, 
I guess back then it was 1999. So the thing was uh, Y2K. Mm. <laughs> so everybody thought the world was going to end or something like that. But anyhow, I, uh, it was delayed. But what, what happened was I had the opportunity to be a part of funeral detail and I had the opportunity to, to help learn how to do like the 21 gun salute and how to bury our veterans and things like that, which was a pretty cool, uh, learning opportunity for me. Yeah. Once Marine combat training started, I was going through it. And you guys probably know this, um, but it was January 2000 and it was cold. It was raining and it was freezing and we had to do training for 10 days. And um, it was horrible. <laughs> I don't know any other way to put it. And I froze to death and I went through uh, hyperthermia and uh, and I found myself in the emergency room in the hospital because this was something that this kid from Miami, from Jamaica, has never seen in his life, couldn't deal with. And um, it, it was horrible. Fast forward, man, I uh, seen what happened with 9-11 and seeing that and hearing about it with my eyes, I knew that there was always a possibility when you sign up to, to serve that you could go to war. But after seeing 9-11 and President Bush declaring war, I knew that it was inevitable that I was going to go to war. So 2004, my uh, captain at the time, he's now a colonel in the Pentagon, but he says, boys, it's our turn to go. And 2004, uh, I found myself in Iraq. We left from California from, to uh, Seattle, from Seattle to uh, Canada, to Germany, from Germany to Kuwait. And from Kuwait, we took a convoy into Fallujah. The first day we got there, we got mortared. And this is when I knew that this stuff is real. Yeah. And there's an absolute possibility that I might lose my life. The first sign that I see when I come into the camp or the FOB, the Ford Operating Base is what we call it, that that particular time was complacency kills. And that clearly rung in my head. If you get complacent here, you might not make it back home. So the first mission that we went on, we got shot at mortars or RPGs are flying over my head. And I'm literally seeing bullets and ricochets and stuff just flying behind me as I've seen them land behind me as we're covered up inside of our tank. We had to fire back, so we shot up the whole place and leveled the building that was in front of us. Through Periodically throughout that, we've had many scares. So we did many convoys. We've been in many supports. We've gotten to different skirmishes with different peoples and things like that. I was there for uh, nine months. The last month that we were there was the worst part of the entire time while I was there touring Iraq. And we're, we was on a mission and supporting another unit and... That night, we got into a firefight with another uh, with uh, the Iraqis. We spoke to the eye in the sky, which is through drones. That's that back then, and uh, we captured the guys that were shooting at us. We turned them in. The next day, we come back out to support our unit that we were with. And while delivering the supplies, water, ammo, and food to our unit, I spoke to my gunny. I spoke to the doctor. I spoke to my best friend Salto. And I spoke to the gunner and gave them everything they, they were supposed to be getting. And immediately pulling off 10 seconds from there, I heard the loudest explosion that I could ever hear in my life. Mm. And this explosion rocked us, man. It, uh, it hit my tank, tilted it, knocked me down, shrapnel hit me above the eye, injured my shoulder, injured my back and knocked me out. My, uh, assistant, Lance Corporal Castanelli came and grabbed me, pulled me down from inside of the turret of the, uh, AAV, checked on me, make sure I was okay, woke me back up. And once we, I came to and we came out, the same people that I was just talking to 10 seconds ago is covered in smoke, fire, a big gaping hole. And the same Humvee that I was just seeing that I was running 
is completely gone. My granny's covered in smoke. The doctor lost his leg. The gunner lost half of his face. And my best friend, Solto, was now dead. We quickly had to compartmentalize and put them in body bags, take care of them, apply medical aid, first aid, and get ready to prepare for a fight for the fight of our lives to get out of this situation. And that's what we did. Fast forward, man, I uh, got out of the service. After serving, this was probably one of the hardest things I could ever think that I could see, do, or deal with. And I got out. My transition was not the easiest. I worked on a railroad for a couple of years, but I suppressed mental health, PTSD, and all of these different things. So I never got help or anything for close to like 10 years. It was towards the last year while I was working on the railroad, I got called to two suicides of people jumping in front of trains. And that mm-hmm. brought back all of those memories that I suppressed for 10 years. Yeah. I started getting help, but that did not really help because for me, I needed, I, I guess I never, at that particular time, PTSD and mental health was a stigma that you don't talk about. So I kind of uh, bottled those things in and it was a tough transition. So I had issues with learning how to deal with those things. So I had run-ins with the law. I lost my job and I had to go back and regroup. I had troubles with um, relationships. So I got married twice and divorced twice. And that brought me onto the brinks of almost committing suicide and trying to take my life. And uh, it was th- it was at that particular moment when I decided to change my life because I was going on down a road where I knew that things that I was doing was going to be the demise of me. So when you talk about either drinking, when you talk, I was on 13 different medications and just thinking the lowest of myself and that I did not matter. So I lost my sense of identity and I lost my purpose and I lost my mission in regards to some of the things that I value so much when I served. Wow. I mean, thank you first for sharing all that, Michael. That is um, heavy stuff. And uh, I think it's so amazing that you've been able to take those experiences and not just, you know, deal with them or overcome them, but then translate it into helping other people. And I think it shows how, how truly qualified you are to do that. So, you know, obviously you have several different outlets to help people. You have the Adversity Academy, you have your podcast, and then your book. But just so hitting on the book specifically, the overcoming adversity, getting your life back on track. What made you specifically want to write a book? Um, and what can our listeners expect when they read it? Sure. The reason why I chose to write the book, it's actually funny you asked me that because I have a friend, uh, Steve Belber. You guys may know him. He helped uh, write uh, Goodfellas or he helped uh, write mm. some Netflix shows. Yeah. Mm. And he helped uh, write uh, for Law and Order. We met six years ago in San Antonio, Texas. And I was a part of a group called the Writers Guild. And mm. he was one of my coaches that was helping me write my story. And I started it. And he he heard the first half of my story that I just shared with you guys. And he heard the last or the middle part of my story in Iraq. And he said... Um, Man, you got a great story here. When are you going to, what are you going to do with it? What else are you going to do with it? And I kept telling him, whenever I start writing this book or whenever I start writing, I can't get past certain things in my life or I can't get past certain things within this book. And I sat on this book for six years because I was not ready to be vulnerable or transparent or share some of the things that I just shared with you guys on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And it was not until... I started getting the help that I needed to get past some of the hurt, some of the trauma, because there was lots of uh, survivor's guilt. There was lots of uh, unforgiveness. There is lots of self-doubt, a lot, a lot of things that was troubling me mentally. I couldn't get past that hurdle. 
it was not until I, I started seeking all of the self-help, self-improvement things in my life to get past that hurdle. And I was able to put pen to paper and actually tell tell my story and and share it. And once I did that, I found that there were so many people, especially men, that were going through so many things that they felt that they didn't have a voice. And this book was an opportunity to do that with sharing my story. And it was so profound to find that so many people identify with some of the things that I spoke about, even not not to the same magnitude, but some of the same experiences, either for themselves or for family members that they do know about. So that's why I chose to start writing this book. And from there, it took me about 90 days to write the book and put it out. And, you know, inside of the book, every single chapter, there are at least five lessons that you could apply to your life now, or or you could look back and reflect on some of the things that took place in your life and kind of see how you could have done or handled situations in your life better. Mm-hmm. So that's what the book ultimately uh, talks about. So it goes through pretty much my entire life. But now, based off some of the stories that I just shared with you, some key lessons that I talk about that's supposed to help you when it comes to like personal growth, professional growth. And some of the things I talk about some business things too is towards the end of the book as well, too, that helps for for business owners as well, too. That's fantastic. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to plug your book for you here and tell everyone that if you didn't pause it the first time, I want you to pause us now and go check out the book. Again, we'll have links in our show notes to go find that. Michael, I think kind of speaking for everyone who's read the book, I, I think a lot of people are happy you chose to write that book and share your story. And I, I can only imagine how difficult it was um, for you. But I, I do want to keep going here. And obviously, your book and your podcast are both focused on the idea of helping others, right? Um, helping yes. others overcome adversity. So I want to take kind of what you're teaching and, and kind of what you went through and, and discuss kind of what the process that you used personally to overcome the adversity that you faced. So the process that I use, I break it down to three things. I realized that once I got out of the service, you know, as a kid, if you think about some of the things that occurred to, for me as a kid, I was always directed either or around my parents or an adult, someone of that magnitude throughout my life. I immediately joined the military. So I never actually really worked for anybody or anything. I didn't, I never really had to pay bills, pay a mortgage, any of those things you think that normal people do. So I jumped straight into the military. So my medical was always taken care of. My housing was always taken care of. My finances was always taken care of. So for eight years, I got up and I knew what my mission was. I knew what my identity was. I knew what my purpose was. For eight years. When I got out of the service, all of that got stripped from me. And I was on my own and I was trying to go through that transition and trying to figure that out. And through that, there was nothing there. There was no mentors for me. There was no coaches. There was no accountability partners. There was no leadership or anything of that, I would say, to help me. So I kind of had to figure out some of those things on my own. And quite honestly, I didn't do too well at that. And Mm -hmm. So losing those types, those things that I identified with, I needed to figure that out and get realigned, get focused on what I needed to do to get myself to the best version of myself. For myself, this is what I did. I identified three key things. What are the decisions that I'm making? I call it three Ds. What is the destination of where I'm trying to be? And what's the direction I need to go in my life? And I, I look at it. Even when I work with people now, what are those things that you're doing in the past and how we could change those to the future? Decision, direction, and destination. 
And I say that when I looked at some of the things, I was making bad decisions. My direction of my life was going in the wrong place and the destination of my life was going in the wrong place. But once I changed those things and look at it from a different aspect, from a different viewpoint, then they all started aligning. And then the sub layers to the decisions for me was identifying some things that I needed to fix, clarify some things that I need to get aligned to, mm-hmm. and then verifying some truth about myself to speak life into myself. When it comes to the direction of my life, I had to start building where I, was, I wanted to go. Some of the things that I needed to put into my life, start creating some things in my life then truly, truly establishing that. Then lastly, when it comes to the uh, destination is ultimately making sure everything aligns. And if they're not in alignment, then it's a no-go for me. Quite often, I found when I used to think about, when, as I say, when I look at some of the things that I did, they did not align with who I wanted to be, the man, the father I wanted to be, the husband I wanted to be, the, the business owner that I wanted to be. And I had to start changing some of those things and those viewpoints about myself. Then I had to start surrounding myself and getting to the right proximity. And the proximity was, you know, who are the people that's going to keep me accountable? Who are the people that's going to start coaching me? Who are the people that's going to start mentoring me and pouring into me? Prior to that, it was nothing but negative influence. It was nothing but negative things that I was feeding my brain, feeding my mind that was was, uh, giving me all of that substance and it was not good for my health. Mm -hmm. And lastly, it was how to sustain that whenever I get to my destination. So progressively, is it personal growth, professional development? Is it uh, is it going to different conferences? Is it going to different seminars? Is it listening to like your podcast? Is is it what are the things that I need to start doing to change my life? So ultimately, just to summarize that for you, is decision, direction, and destination. I call it three Ds. Throughout that, you know, I did quite a few different things just to give you some more uh, context. So I started going to counseling. I started going to mentorships. I started getting accountability partners. I started attending different conferences. I uh, I joined a men's group at my church. I started doing all of these different things that I was going to change my life. And through some of those things, you know, I was able to uh, change my circle. I was able to remarry my wife that I got divorced with. Just putting in all the work and start taking the actions and start developing all of these positive habits. And once those things started happening, it, it, it was just amazing to see how many different doors in my life started to open up for me. And I created that resilient mindset. In regards to I can do all of these things if I do participate in my rescue. And then the other part of thing was changing my cognitive thinking. I used to think so much about all of the limiting beliefs that was holding me back in life. And once I uh, changed that, it was so amazing to see how I could start aligning these things where it started working for myself. And that's some of the things that I do work with people on. But that's the same thing that I did for myself. Yeah. And it's been amazing just to see the transformation. Absolutely. I, I, I'm just listening to you and it's just, um, I'm, I'm smiling because I hear, I hear the Marine come out, right? I hear the, you know, the tenacity and then I'm not going to quit and I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. And then I hear the MBA of, all right, I'm going to get a strategic plan and I'm going to get a sense for direction. And then I hear the coaching come through of a finding internal uh, motivation and strength and purpose and identity. And boy, I, I, I get the mixing pot right here. I'm just kind of watching <laughs> this kind of come out of you. It's really cool. So I, because I'm kind of smiling because I, you know, that's a lot of our show in the evolution of what we've done for 93 episodes prior to you was all these elements that you're talking about, you're going through the things that yeah. we've been talking about and limiting beliefs is something we've talked about with, with multiple coaches and that we all have. And, and I'm just, uh, you know, I just kind of look at this of your personal, you, you say loss of 
identity and loss of purpose and you go, hey, I'm a, I'm a Boy Scout and that gets taken from you. And I go, I'm going to be a football player, right? And then you have to change. Now I'm going to be a Marine, right? And then I change. He's like, I get where, hey, I'm trying to find stability and structure and who I am. And I'm going to insert myself into positions going to give me this back. And you got to find resiliency all the way through it. So I, I love this. I think this is to kind of now, it's not about what they are. It's about who, what you are. Yeah. And I, I see that coming through, and I think that's really cool. And I, I know our show here, what we want to talk about today is when things really don't go as planned, especially for our audiences where, you know, you talked a little bit about how you kind of start getting this proximity and this negative influence around you. And, and there's a sense of autopilot that sometimes happens, right, is we're kind of just drifting through it. And I think that happens with a lot of our clients and our listeners is like, hey, I'm approaching retirement. I've been doing this job forever. I show up, I do my thing, right? And I, I'm good at it and I'm making good money and that's who I am, right? That's my life purpose. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm reaching the end and everybody tells me I have to retire and I got to get done. But I have all this time, all this things I can do in my life, right? And I don't know who I am. I don't know what I, what I am in retirement. I know what I am in career, mm. So obviously there's a lot of those positives, but then that angst, that the aging process, and there's adversity to aging and dealing with challenges as we grow older. So I know I've, I'm giving a big background here and a build, to, but I'm, I'm promised there's a question here. So you outlined that process to overcome your own adversity. So I want now to kind of ask you this question. How does that process translate to helping others, especially with the different type of issues and, and maybe specifically our audience when the retirement and aging conversation? You know, one of the things that I do when I work with people is I kind of give people the harsh truth of a, a reality check. And a friend of mine, he uh, challenged me and he said, uh, I'm 68 years old and I was uh, in the hospital at age 48, almost from a heart attack. And And I was like, tell me more. And what he said was, I was living a very stagnant, complacent life. And I was waking up and I got used to doing what I do. And he didn't get his wake up call when at that particular age, at 48, he was close to 300 pounds. And his brother was about the same. And his brother was uh, 51 years old and his brother was in hospice. Mm -hmm. And he told me that once he went to the hospital and he had this heart attack, he immediately changed his life and he dropped his, dropped the weight and got down to 200 pounds. The reality check is when I speak with people and I work with people, we could pull up a, a measuring tape and let's say we look at the measuring tape and we put on there your age. Let's say, for example, my age is 42. So we rip it. And if you look towards the end, the average person passes away somewhere in their 70s, maybe early 80s. So what are you going to do with the rest of the time that you have here on this earth? Are you going to wait till retirement or are you going to start doing something now? Yeah. Are you going to wait till you're 65 until someone says it's time to start collecting a check? Or are you going to start doing something now? And that's the biggest reality check that I give to people before. And then I start working with people and giving them practical steps, real tools that's going to get to some of the goal setting, some of the uh, mindset, some of the relationships, some of the things when it comes to your well-being, some of the things that's tied to your purpose, that's tied around all of the things that I coach and I talk about. 
so we can start creating healthy habits, so we can start creating actionable steps, create action plans and things like that. So for me, man, just to summarize that, man, it's really coming down to the habits, some of the practical things that we can start doing right now. That's going to be tied to our purpose. That's going to be tied to our mission. That's going to be tied to making an impact. That's going to be tied to giving back and helping people as well, too. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so, you know, one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on here and we thought you'd be such a great guest is that with our podcast, we're constantly and then in our as financial advisors, we're constantly talking with clients who are going through different levels of adversity, different events that are tough. Um, and so I thought it would be helpful to, you know, bring up more of a real life situation that we've we've heard about recently. So Ben and I were we're meeting with um, some clients a couple of weeks ago and it was a husband and wife in their late 70s. And uh, they mentioned that earlier in that year, the husband had become very, very ill and actually had been in the hospital for, I think it was two or three months. And the doctors thought he was going to die for weeks. And uh, the wife had shared that she just kind of sat at his bedside, very helpless, just thinking, you know, what am I going to do when my husband of 40 plus years, who's my best friend, who I spend every day with, what am I going to do if he passes away right now? Like, what is the rest of my life going to look like? And she had shared that, you know, obviously it worked out very positively and he's now back in good health. Um, so it was a sort of a happy outcome to that moment. But what would you say in that situation? She's at the bedside, really trying to grasp the situation. What would you say to the wife in this situation to uh, to help her cope with the situation? Man, as as you're saying that to me, I thought about my my wife and I and I and I'm in that bed. And you know, it connects with me deeply because me and my wife actually had this conversation a while back. And you know, sometimes people actually joke around, joke around when they say you're going to miss me when I'm gone or I'm not going to be here, those types of things. And when me and her spoke about that, we said that we need to Enjoy every single moment. Enjoy every single minute that we have with each other. A lot of times in the past, couples spend their times bickering, complaining, worrying about things that are not important, opposed to the person that you chose to live with, the person you chose to be with, the person you chose to love. So what I would say is the time that you do have with someone, enjoy it, embrace it. Tell them that you love them. Tell them that you care about them. Because what you have left when either one of you go away, and I say that because the question, the topic when I spoke about with my wife is, I don't know what I'm going to do when you're not here with me because you make me laugh. You make me cry. As in good, happy thoughts. You're here cooking dinner with me. You're here spending time with the family. You're call, You're making the phone calls. I see the person that you are now. I've seen the changed man that you are. And I love this version of you. And when I think about that, for this woman, she has to start enjoying the moment with her spouse, whether it's the walks and it's the little things, Mm. it's the talks, whether it's the little note cards, whether it's the date nights, you know, those are the key important things that you're going to remember. Because when your loved one is no longer here, you don't really think about all of the material things. You think about those conversations. You think about those hugs. You think about those kisses. Those are the key important things that you think about. You ask me that now, the memories and the moments that stick with me about my mom and dad, I know they won't be here whenever, but it's when my mom told me she loved me. It was when my mom told me me that um, 
I'm so proud of you graduating boot camp and you got through it and surviving through boot camp. It's when uh, my wife's family embraced me coming back into their family after we reconnected, remarried and embracing me. It was so what I would say to her is enjoy the moments that will give you so much peace of mind whenever or if and ever you guys separate. Yeah, no, I love that that answer, Michael, and and I think you did a really good job answering that question and honestly making all, all three of us think. I think a little bit, and hopefully our listeners as well. I want to zoom out a little or or look at this achievement of kind of dealing with ad- adversity, conquering adversity. I want to look at it as a whole. And my question for you is kind of if you zoom out and look at you know individual, you experience adversity, you overcome adversity. Do you ever get back kind of feeling the same as you did before? Or is this kind of a a new normal post adversity? I guess the the question I'm I'm trying to ask is kind of what is the end goal that you're striving for when trying to overcome kind of a difficult life event? I think the end goal is creating a new norm for myself and creating a new norm for anyone that I work with. Because as I mentioned earlier, these limiting beliefs, we tie ourselves to it and it anchors us down. Yep. And we have to get past that disbelief. We have to get past that change. So doing those creates help. It helps create that cognitive thinking, as I mentioned. So I talk a good bit in the programs that I talk about or people that I work with, with the neurolinguistic programming of things that's attributed to why do we think this way? Why are we acting this way? Mm-hmm. And then... From there, we we go through breaking down and removing some of these thoughts and these beliefs and really clarifying how true some of these things are and then trying to get past those things. And once we gain that clarity and clarify that and start verifying some things, then we could really get past some of the trauma. Then we could get past some of the hurt because... We have to create that new identity for ourselves in regards to what what are we aiming for? What's the next level in life that we're trying to get to? And if we never shed that, we'll always constantly be in a place that we don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, uh, obviously, we've been talking about, uh, as Austin said, a little bit of adversity in terms of like health. But, you know, in a, a situation we had with with somebody we know. He had, uh, they'd saved up, he and his wife had saved up their whole lives, uh, their whole career, all their savings that I dream of, you know, again, we're, we're in Maine, right? You got to give us a break. So we're, we dream of the weather you're experiencing now, 80 degrees, you know, I want, I want that. I've been thinking about this for four years. Like I'm going through snow and blizzards and freezing rain. And I, I, I just got to get out of here. So I save for all this. I move to that climate. It's going great the first month and hurricane hits, comes through, destroys the neighborhood. You know, his house is, uh, is kind of very damaged. And it's like, I've worked, right? My purpose and I'm envisioning my life in a climate that I, I, I just cannot believe I get to do this. He arrives there, gets to it and poof, right? All that just gets kind of, kind of off the rails. So my question to you is, right? So overcoming adversity and and that level of moment you've you've done it you talked about the flood and you know growing up and you've gone through that so love to hear your perspective of kind of building to it and then having a, a restart it's it's never hard it's never easy 
to restart, regroup, and rebuild. Mm -hmm. The thing that comes with that is where's your mindset at in regards to getting over this or getting past this? That's first and foremost, because you can either sit and sob or deal with it. Even if you do, you quickly have to recalibrate, regroup, and learn how to figure out how to get past this. And I applaud my parents as that's what they did when they said, all right, this is not going to work out here. We've been through this twice. (laughs) It's time for a change. And uh, they did what they had to do for that change. You know, when it comes to handling tough situations and dealing with adversity, the number one thing is self-awareness and developing an understanding self-awareness of where you're at and what is actually going on and then becoming resourceful. You know, if you are in that particular situation that you just mentioned and you're, you just saved up, you've done all these things, you build up and you relocated and something bad happened. Now is the mindset. Now it's time to become resourceful. And now this is the point where either you have to start taking some actions. You have to start either working with people that's within your community, within your circle. Oftentimes, I've found that there is so much strength within our own network, but we are so timid to even ask for help. And that's one of the biggest things that I see with some people. And you'd be surprised how many people are willing to help you, willing to work with you. People are so compassionate. If you think about it, whenever this world is facing with so many things, do you see how much donation that this world gives to so many things? And we'll be so surprised and so reluctant to actually ask for help. And that's what um, some of the things that I had to do. I had to let down barriers. I had to let down guards and let people in to help me if I'm not in a situation to regroup, fix certain things that's going on within my life. Yeah, Yeah. no, that makes a lot of sense. My next question here is about perspective. So like with what Ben just said, maybe it's someone that is losing a dream home that they've been saving for for years. And that seems terrible in the moment. But then someone could arguably say like, well, what if your spouse was dying? Or what if something happened to you health wise? And you can kind of say like that phrase of like, you know, it could always get worse. But it seems like our own issues always seem to take like the center stage in our minds, regardless of their severity. Do you think that it's important to take a step back and sort of compare the adversity that we're going through to what others are going through? Or do you think it's more important to sort of follow the same process to overcome these obstacles, regardless of how they might compare to others? I think it's important to kind of not compare to other people's situation because they're not the same in all aspects of things. I think it's important for you to understanding your situation and how can you resolve your situation? How can you fix it? If you wanted to compare, I would say assess it and then see what are some things that you could probably take from certain people's situations and if you could apply to your situation to make your situation better. But I don't ever think that you should be in a, a position to start comparing when I don't think that's a fair uh, a fair thought that or fair thing that you're doing to yourself. I think you're doing the disservice to yourself when you start, when you get into the lane of the comparison game. You know, whenever I uh, face situations, I first and foremost look at it and I do th- do what you just said when it's like put things in perspective. Yes, it could be worse, but I'm always super thankful for what's going on. I'm super appreciative of where I'm at in life because based off the things that I've seen in my life and things that I've done in my life, it could be a lot worse. I know that there's people 
that are in worse situations than I am. And I do know that for most situations that I've been in my life, I've figured out a way how to get through it. I've gotten past it. I faced every single thing that I was dealing with. I did not sit back. I did not cower. I did not become a victim or I did not uh, start playing the blame game. And that's where the resilient mindset kicks in at in regards to facing things that we're facing, facing things that we're dealing, having that mental fortitude to push through, having that mental fortitude to be resilient, having that mental fortitude to break down barriers and just shatter whatever limiting beliefs, if it's imposter syndrome, any of these things, just breaking those types of barriers. Yeah, no, I I think that's really important. Um, And I know that's something that kind of personally uh, that I kind of struggle with sometimes. And I understand, you know, maybe adversity that I'm facing, I completely understand it's nowhere near adversity that others are facing. But it's not fair to myself either to say, Oh, you're fine, get over it. There's someone who has it worse. So I, I really appreciate that answer. Michael, I want to kind of talk about you again here. And obviously, you're doing some really great things right now in your life. And obviously, you're doing well right now. And I just want to ask kind of for everyone listening is, how do you stay so positive? And and what do you try to focus on while things are going so well, so that when adversity does strike, or if it strikes again, you're best equipped to deal with it? Wow, man, I love that question. It's I would say it ties to uh, what I just said. And I maintain a positive mindset knowing that there's other people out here that is in worse situations than me. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, and I've been through hell. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've, mm-hmm. I've been through a good bit of things in my life, man. To be in a space where I could wake up every single morning and smile. I could wake up every morning and tell my wife that I love her. I could wake up every single day now and I have my my two boys where I could call them, I could text them, I could take them to school, I could pick them up. And so now it's from operating from a space of being very, very intentional, being very, very in the moment. So I make sure every single day I'm telling my wife that I love her. I'm giving her a kiss. I make sure every single day that I'm telling my kids goodnight. We're praying together. You know, those are things that are important to me. I make sure that When I wake up in the morning that for me, I read the Bible, then I listen to some meditation, some of those things to get my day going. Mm -hmm. I go to the gym in the morning, then I'm in the sauna, getting a quick workout in. Then I make sure that I'm actually giving back. So now, whether it's uh, me working with somebody or whether me helping somebody, whether it's me telling my story, and you'll be surprised when that energy that you're pushing off or somebody's pouring into you how it just builds up your endorphins where like now you're on a different, you're on a different level operating. So I make sure that every single day that I'm pouring into somebody and it's crazy how they just start pouring back into me and that fills me up and that fills up my mindset. So it's some of those simple things that I'm doing. It's some of those simple things that people are doing for me. And like I said, one of the biggest things one of my coaches and mentor uh, share with me was the power of saying no. And he was always telling me of like guarding my time. Your time is one of the most valuable thing that you could ever have. So you have to learn how to say no to some things if it does not benefit you. And it ties to when I, when it comes to alignment, learning how to say no, if things do not align to what you're trying to do, where you're trying to be. And that will guard your peace of mind. That will guard your time piece. That will guard your, your freedom in regards to some of the things that you're dealing with, some of the things that you're facing. So. If you want to guard your happiness, you want to guard your 
your peace, you could learn how to start saying no to things and you'll realize that you got to start pouring into yourself, pouring into your cup, pouring into your happiness. And you'll find out how you, when you fill up your cup with all of these things, that there's not too many things that could take it up to down because you're pouring so much into yourself. And that's how I'm able to help other people and pour into other people too, as well. That's great. Michael, that's, that's awesome. You've kind of shared a lot with us and just kind of thinking about a, a few things that you said today is just even going back to your first day in Fallujah where you saw that sign and, you know, complacency kills. And obviously that meant one very specific physical danger in that moment to you. Um, a couple of our guests talked about that um, in a different way as you've just experienced in your life. Uh, so Chris Gathers and Matt Moran, where they were, uh, Chris had been diagnosed with brain cancer yeah. and Matt had been diagnosed with, uh, with stage four kidney cancer. And wow. all of a sudden you then go, Hey, to being intentional, yeah. right. Is being intentional with the time. And they, they, they realize they, they may or may not have much time. So they had to be very, very intentional to it. And, uh, Chris talked about how he want he, the realization that he was a living a life of comfortable complacency, mm-hmm. that he was asleep. He was letting things happen to him. And what you just said was his values. He knew what his values were. He hadn't purposely aligned his time to his values. Just kind of what you said right? Is that, you know, work was the thing and he's going to dominate and he's going to be career driven. But he's, you, if you asked him, he, you know, God and self and family and friends, and, you know, you go through the list and then work, right? But how did he align his time? Yeah. Work would take over family and friends and personal. And how do we get to 300 and 400 pounds? And how do we do think like we are, we're misaligning values to time a lot. Right. You know, so, so I think the secret of what you just said was like, it's easy to say no when you've already re when your values command it and you structure your time to the values. And that's the awakening I've had just from our show and, and our conversations with folks like yourself. Like I get my son on the bus every morning and I try to get him off the bus every day, every afternoon. Like my work day doesn't start until he's on his day and we spend 15 minutes sitting in that car together. It's cold out, right? It's cold. <laughs> and we're talking, but we're talking just me and him, right? It's he and I time talking about our day, getting what, what what's going to happen. Tell some jokes. That is our time. And then when he gets off the bus, how did your day go? We get, I get him settled to get him. Hey, where are you? And then it's not, he got to seven o'clock before I talked to him. He's like, well, that was four hours ago, Dad. Right? That was five hours ago. We did, I, I don't even know. I don't remember that. that five, like, I've been playing Roblox, uh, you know. So, you know, I, so I, I can, I can just say, and that's a little thing, but like, I wasn't doing that, right? I wasn't. I was career minded. Got to build this thing, hammer through it. Not taking care of myself. Not investing in the people. I until I got kind of that coaching and and that thing. So, I'm, I'm my build up here is. Obviously, there's people that help you overcome adversity, just like Chris, just like Matt, just like even things of I've redone in my life, but I didn't have to have a cancer diagnosis, right? I didn't have to wait until I got a heart attack at 48 to then restructure things because it got so out of alignment. So with you in terms of adversity, how has your network, you just talked about pouring in, how has your network helped you because it's not not a single person that can do all this how they kind of built you to kind of be able to handle that adversity that you've you've overcome and i love that question i'll just uh piggyback off what you just said too man before i was so career driven 
I would say probably say that led to my first divorce. I will also say that uh, I was so career driven that when I was going through the struggles in my life and things like that, I found that I was getting energy and I guess a buildup just like making money. So I, I was always focusing on those things and realized I was missing out on some of the uh, intangible things like with my wife, with my son. And once I changed that and changed the perspective of things and having that little conversation with my son in the morning when I take him to the bus stop now and we were in the car. And um, one of the biggest things that I make sure that I do every single day is I compliment him every single day. So I tell him that, man, you're looking sharp this morning. You know, I <laughs> and uh, those are some things that like spark some of the conversations that we do have. And just to be another transparent as well. So obviously I went through a divorce and we had an older son. Um, he's now in college. And now the conversations that we do have as he's now back in my life is totally, totally awesome. As in now we're communicating on a different level and the love and the appreciation amongst each other, because I'm intentional with that relationship that I do have with my stepson now. And it's 10 times better when that bond and that relationship and that buildup that we have is so, so amazing, man. So I agree with what you just said, too, is what I'm saying. It, it, it's so much of a difference with the people that we connect with that we're most important to in our lives. Now, the people that are most influential in my life. So I have a bucket of people that's influential in my life. Number one is my faith. Every single morning I'm praying. That's my foundation. So I put God first in my life. So I'm in my scriptures. I'm praying. I listen to some gospel music just to get my day going. I listen to uh, KB. Um, that's one of my favorite songs just to get my, my morning going. The next thing is uh, my wife. She it's it's amazing now the relationship that we do have now, knowing we were divorced 10 years ago and we're back together now. And it's amazing how Almost every single morning, she says, like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the man that you've become. I'm so, so she's pouring into me even before I can even pour into her, like, have a blessed day, all of these different things that we do. The next thing is I meet weekly. So I have an accountability partner and someone is keeping me accountable on all of the things that I said I was going to do. And if I don't do it, there's consequences to that. Yeah. So that's one thing that I do have. The next person I have is a counselor. So I have a relationship counselor that speaks to me and my wife monthly. The next thing I have is a mental health counselor. So I meet with a mental health counselor every single week. The next thing that I have is a mentor. And I have a mentor for my personal growth and I have a mentor for my business growth. So there's someone helping me in business and there's someone helping me with um, my personal growth as well too. The next thing I do is I read books every single day. Like, so this is the book that I'm reading now, but I read books. You, you guys can see here. So like I'm a complete book junkie, book nerd. So I, I'm reading. And what I, what I love to read is books of real stories, real things. That's, that's going to help me. And so that's the next thing that I do. And lastly, the, the thing that I'm doing is, so I was one of those people that put business first. I was one of those people that put other things first. So I got someone to help me with my physical health. So now I'm working on me getting in shape, me personally doing all of these things that's going to contribute to my health. So now me and my wife, so she's a part of it too. So she had to be a part of that. So 
we cook together, right? She's making all of the meals. She, I'm, we're, we're actually putting out whatever is a part of the diet of the nutrition and then actually working out together. So every single morning we're in the gym together working out because she's pushing me as much as I'm pushing her to as well. So I would say that covers most of my life, all of the things. <laughs> all of the things. So that's what helps keeps me leveled and that keeps me going. And then the last thing I would say is the people that I choose to be my friends, the people that I choose to be within my circle is all people that are for me and people that are supporting me and wants to see me do well in life. You know, and for the most part, man, those things have changed my life. Um, last thing I would say is, um, so, I'm a part of this men's group um, from my church, and it's a group of twelve guys. We all have our text messages that we go that we pour into each other every single um, every single day. But we meet from this men's group, so I help lead the uh, men's freedom group, and it's a twelve week program. But from there, we've built up a bond, we've built up a relationship for the past three years now. So, man, it's it's just been amazing just to be a part of that, and just having these type of people in my life has been. Tremendous with my transformation, man. That's incredible, Michael. And, you know, it's, it's clear just hearing you talk about every single one of those people and how important they are to you and, and the impact they're having kind of on your life. It's just it's amazing to hear. So we've kind of reached the end of our conversation today. I do have one final question for you. Um, so obviously, the name of our show is the Retirement Success in Maine. Um, I know you're not in Maine right now. And as you've reminded us, it's 80 degrees where you're sitting right now. So <laughs> I won't hold that against you, I promise. Um, so the question I want to ask you, Michael, is how are you going to find your own personal retirement success? Kind of what does a successful retirement mean to you? So I actually have been to Maine twice. All right, so I've been a, I've Perfect. been to Maine twice, and um, I've been um, skiing up there, and I had a, quite a few uh, quite nice. a few friends that actually still lives there in Maine. Awesome, nice, awesome, yeah, man. But you know, how do I find uh, my own personal retirement success? And it really comes down to what me and my wife had put in place together. And we said to ourselves that we're not going to wait till sixty five to retire. This yeah. is what we said between us. We're going to enjoy every single moment of this life together doing all of the things that we wanted to do. And it's amazing where all of the things that we said that we've wanted to do since being back together, mm. somehow, some way it has happened. Awesome. One of the biggest things for us is we always want to travel. And we have a son in college and we have a son in high school. And we've said that we wanted to travel every single month. We've traveled every single month in 2023. Wow. We've been wow. to Paris. We've been to Italy. Wow. We've been to Chicago. You, you name it. That's awesome. We were, that's we were great. supposed to go to Egypt in December. Obviously, we're, we have a war going on. So that's the only reason why okay. it did not happen. Okay. But every single trip that we've put on our board, every financial goals that we said we was going to make and hit, we've done that. Just working together as a team, working together and preparing for our future. So we've done our investing in our stocks, our all of these different types of things that for retirement as they come. So that's there. But what we did say is we're not going to wait till 65. We're going to enjoy this and live live in the moment. You know, that's what we said. We're going to be intentional. And for us doing so, we've stuck to that. And it's been working out really, really good for us. 
That's incredible. Michael, you are an inspiration, man. It was, this was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for your time today and, and just uh, sharing your story, uh, sharing a lot of your life lens and your life view. Um, I, I've taken a lot out of it. I know, Curtis and Austin, you ha- I'm sure you have as well. But uh, I know from our listeners, uh, they're going to love this one. And uh, we can't wait to put it out. So thank you for coming on our show. Man, it's been an absolute pleasure. I truly, truly enjoyed this conversation with you guys. Thank you, man. All right. Be well. Take care. You too. Thank you. So I think there's somebody that knows adversity is, I guess, what I would say out of that, right? It's like uh, Michael um, has seen probably it all and uh, to be able to go through that with him. And uh, again, I think it's you you really do have to go through the level of the bio that he shared with us today to really get a sense of appreciation of what he experienced and um, what he's gone through to kind of get to where he is. Um, And I think the, the kind of the fun part is, Hey, you, you go through that level of adversity and he is where he is, is like, we all can take strength from uh, the things that he's done and what he's been through and what we can apply to ourselves. So I, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as we did, because yeah. uh, I think that was, that was a really great and show. And especially, I think the better, the better shows that we've ever done, I think are about based in stories. And kind of hearing some of those has been been really great. Yeah. I, I know. Uh, so Michael has a lot to offer in terms of uh, coaching and books and things like that. And um, he has a really great presence on social media for those that even just want to check that out. So we will have the links to his coaching practice, uh, link to his book, and po- he has his own podcast okay. and yep. kind of social media there. So yep. we'll have that all that in our our blog. Uh, if you go to blog.guidancepointllc.com backslash 94, because we're episode 94. 94. And again, kind of this uh, theme of what to do when things don't really go as planned. Appreciate you tuning in from the three of us. If you're listening to this during the holidays, happy holidays to you all. Um, we're really looking forward to what's in store for 2024 and hope you're along for the ride. Be well. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisor's mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.